You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest on Preaching Source today is Dr. Daniel Dickard. He is the pastor of Friendly Avenue Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, He is a recent graduate uh, from the School of Preaching, uh, finishing his Ph.D. in 2017. And I'm especially happy to have Daniel here. Daniel spent a couple of years—he was the original producer— of these podcasts, and uh, I've had the pleasure of working with him when we launched uh, the Preaching Source website and began to do the uh, a podcast. It's interesting, uh, we're in our preaching conference this week, and uh, he used to go out and get speakers for me, and he would bag them and bring them in here, toss them to me. I'd skin them and clean them, and he'd go get another one. Uh, but Daniel, it's it's good to see you back, and this time to talk to you on that side of the microphone. It's good to be here, Dr. McCarty. Well, we're going to be talking today about preaching to exiles, and uh, this comes from your experience in the first book that you decided to preach in your new ministry at Friendly Avenue. So talk to us about that, and and let me begin by asking, uh, what was the book, and and what does it mean to be an exile? Yeah, great question. Well, as we were just talking before the podcast, in my first eight weeks at Friendly Avenue, we had seven people to pass away. And seven in eight weeks. Seven in eight weeks. Wow. And so I learned early on the ministry of presence. These were people with hurting hearts, um, that the church was affected by the deaths. And so, you know, if you go back to the beginning of First Peter uh, and the history of First Peter, Claudius expelled the Christians out of Rome in AD 49, and then you had Nero, that crazed emperor, uh, that uh, on July the 18th, AD 64, that he sets Rome on fire. Uh, four out of the 14 uh, sections in Rome burns, the merchant section burns, and so Christians are expelled. And uh, at that point, they're begin to scatter throughout the Roman region, and Peter is writing to Christians that are on the frontier, uh, you know, out in eastern Turkey today, and they're pilgrims, they're exiles. And, uh, you know, there's a quote that Billy Graham once said, uh, that those who do the most in the earth, on earth, are those who think the most of heaven. And, uh, and so as pilgrims, as those who are exiles, those who are suffering, uh, you know, this was just a timely book for our church in the midst of all the suffering, the chaos, the consternation uh, caused by some of these uh, deaths uh, to set the church at ease. Uh, you know, as you look at the book of Philippians, another book, that Paul writes it while he's in jail, and uh, Peter that he's writing to Christians uh, who are in exile, and they have a living hope. And so there's a word of joy, there's a word of hope in the midst of suffering. And I thought it was important for our people to hear that, and just how God lined it up. That uh, you know the first uh, you know book that I preached at uh, Friendly Avenue was uh, a book that comforts people in the midst of suffering and hurting. All right, now, Daniel, in in answering my question just then, you very quickly and concisely uh, laid out in in pretty specific detail some of the the historical and cultural background of this book that you're preaching. And I'm I'm sitting here, as I'm listening to you, I'm being drawn in to the story, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, I'd really like to hear this series because you, you put it in context. And I, 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 I was amazed by that. I, uh, one of my side lessons from this as a preacher is, wow, that's a really great use of a biblical background. To, 
let's do a parenthesis here and, and just let me ask that. How important is that as you're preaching, that, that biblical background? It's most important because you want to speak to people where they're at, but you have to connect the Bible to where they're at. And so giving the background, that explanation, the context, setting the stage to then connect it to their life. And so you know, in, in, in a book-by-book book series, uh, you know, where you're doing paragraph by paragraph, pericope by pericope, at the beginning of each sermon that I would remind our folks, uh, you know, this is the background uh, that uh, Peter, he's preaching to pilgrims, to those who are in exile. Uh, you know, there's a wonderful illustration that I came across, uh, but there was a runner, Vanderlei de Lima, uh, that he was born in abject poverty, in Brazil, but someone on the Olympic Committee saw that this man could run, and they began to train him. And for years that he trained for the Olympics, and that he's closing towards the finish line, he's four miles from winning, and someone out of the crowd called a bumper jumps out and knocks him down, and he ended up finishing in third place. Afterwards, they uh, interviewed De Lima, and he said that, uh, you know, what a wonderful opportunity I had to compete for my country. There was uh, no complaining uh, that, you know, he was just grateful to be there. And I share with our people uh, that at some point, uh, someone or something's going to knock you out of the race of life. And being able to get up from that suffering, from that persecution, whatever it is that knocks you out, and that you'll continue towards the finish line of this living hope. And so reminding our people at the beginning of every sermon, uh, this is the context uh, that we are not citizens of earth trying to get to heaven, uh, but that we are citizens of heaven sojourning through earth. And uh, reminding our people of that great truth, I think that it, uh, you know, in light of all that was happening at Friendly Avenue, uh, really set them at ease. That's a nice chiasmus there. <laughs> we are not citizens of earth trying to get to heaven, but citizens of heaven sojourning through uh, earth. Nice rhetorical flourish. There, I might have Pastor. gotten that one from you, Dr. McCarty. You taught me well. <laughs> well, okay, you, you've been talking about how uh, individual Christians should grasp their identity as exiles in this world. Talk to us a bit about how a, a congregation's identity as exiles, you know, change as a pastor preaches a text. How how does how does that uh, uh, how does that change the church as a whole as they come together? Well, you know, when preaching First Peter, there's individual application, but there's also application to the church. I mean, Peter is writing to a wide swath of Christians who are on the frontier region. And specifically related to identity, uh, there's a section, chapter 2, 4 through 10, that deals with our identity, that we're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen race. And there are opportunities throughout the book of Peter to remind the church of their identity. Uh, there was a four-part mini-series within First Peter that was probably my favorite part of the book uh, that deals with the four areas of social interaction, uh, that he deals with our uh, involvement with government in the workplace, also in the family, but then finally as the church. And that last subsection, 3, 8 through 12, he says, all of you. Now, Peter's writing to the church, and so he's addressing now a group of Christians. And so that mini-section 
Although, sure, we dealt with the family, we dealt with an individual and the work and how they relate to government. What a timely message that was in light of some of the things that are happening in our society today. But then to say all of you and the application that Peter gives us an identity that there's a living hope in the midst of all the turbulence around us. And, uh, and so it grounds our identity, not only individually, uh, but also that living hope grounds our identity corporately. Wow. Now, you, uh, you used an interesting term there. You referred to, the, to those four uh, sub-themes in First Peter as a mini-series. Uh, I like that. It's a, it's a modern term we usually think of in, in films and TV programs, a miniseries, but you just used it to describe a sub-part of the text. You, you know, every book has a main theme. Uh, you know, I would uh, suggest that the theme of First Peter is uh, hope in the midst of suffering. But along the way, you have miniseries uh, that you see that there's a, a paragraph unit or maybe several paragraph units that, that come together and you see a theme to emerge. Uh, you know, this, First Peter is a shorter book, but also with some of your longer books. I mean, if you were to preach the book of Genesis uh, or the book of Exodus, uh, it would be wise to break it into many series uh, so that it does not seem long and arduous, but you keep your people engaged. And so uh, although we kept the, the title for the series, Foreigners in a strange land, that for those mini-series, I would add a subtitle to it. And just reminding our people, we're in a section that's very practical. You know, First Peter begins theological. All the imperatives of First Peter flow out of 1, 3 through 12. Uh, and so it grounds us in that theological basis of the gospel, but then the rest of the imperatives throughout the book are connected back. So uh, very theological in the beginning, but then practical throughout. And in those practical sections that I would try to group them together as many series. And uh, I thought that that worked well in just keeping our people's attention throughout uh, a 12-week series. Mm -hmm. Daniel, uh, you being well-versed in, in our philosophy of text-driven preaching here at Southwestern, that we uh, we want sermons that that, that discover and and unveiled the substance, the structure, and the spirit of the text, and the spirit of the text comes from the genre. So we're preaching uh, poetry or prophecy. We're trying to follow the structure, the stanzas, and the strophe. In narratives, we're trying to walk through the scenes of a story, and in uh, epistles, we're trying to find the verbal structure of, of the letter. I, what I've heard from you is you've described your series. It's obvious you paid attention to the verbal structure and the clauses and all, but I'm also hearing from you a, a bit of story, a bit of narrative. And we, you know, we began by that interesting background, but also it, I, I'm getting the sense that as you unpacked First Peter, you weren't just dealing with paragraphs and clauses and freight, but you're, you're also weaving this into the story or unveiling the story and connecting it to the contemporary story. Am, am I right there? Or you're that sounds like your approach. Talk to us about that. You're absolutely right. I mean, uh, the preacher, if he is unwilling to prepare in the study, he won't reap benefits in the pulpit. And it starts with the study. And so, you know, spending several months, uh, when we left Southwestern, I took a, a two-week hiatus. Uh, and while the, my children and my wife were on vacation, but I, I would spend two weeks and just diving into First Peter 
trying to understand uh, the structure. Uh, but then as preaching it, people connect with stories. Uh, you know, people connect with narratives. And so taking the verbal structure of First Peter, but then trying to interweave it into the seamless tapestry uh, for people to understand, connecting it with the overall story of First Peter, but also the story of suffering. Uh, you know, e- everyone at some level is dealing with suffering or heartache. And so reminding our people that this story of First Peter is a story for you. Uh, you know, that first sermon that I preached, 1, 3 through 12, it begins with the word blessed, and it ends with the word blessed. And so I said, sandwiched in between this great theological section, what God is telling us, when suffering comes, the first thing that we're to do is to worship. Uh, you know, Christians, we're not known simply by our actions. We're known by our reactions. And when suffering comes into our life, the way in which we worship God, the bright lights are on. People on the outside, those who are not Christian, they're watching our reactions, not just our actions. And so from the very beginning, connecting the story of First Peter to the, the story of suffering where we're at today and telling our folks, This is about worship, all that we are responding to all that God is in the midst of suffering. And I think that that story element really connected with with our people. Mm. Daniel, if if members of your congregation, if believers there, if they are living as heavenly sojourners through this world, experiencing suffering, is Sunday when the church gathers, is, is that a bit of a break from that suffering in the world where, where together they worship and experience a bit of, of home? A- absolutely. It's not only Sunday. Sunday is the primary day that, that we gather, uh, but it's one of the most important days. And uh, that I had uh, one of our deacons, uh, one of our younger deacons, that, that he came up to me, and we were in the middle of First Peter, and he said, Pastor, I need this today. He said, we've been talking about uh, suffering and, and heartache and pain, and he said that there's a terminal illness in, in my family. I had someone else to mention to me, Dr. McCarty, that um, they had miscarried a baby, and, Pastor, we need to gather today just to hear a message of hope in the midst of suffering. And so, uh, yes, I mean, this is something that encouraging uh, our people throughout the week, uh, you know, in our discipleship groups, th- through the various groups that we have in our church. But on Sunday morning, as the body of Christ gathering together, hearing the Word of God by the Spirit of God, the preacher of God for the glory of God, and reminding people uh, that in the midst of suffering, uh, that God is present and there's a living hope. It just brought encouragement to our souls. Mm. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Dr. Daniel Dickard, pastor of Friendly Avenue Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina, and a Ph.D. alumnus of the Southwestern School of Preaching. Daniel, thanks for being with us today. It's an honor to be here, Dr. McCarty.